from Manufactured Myth and Ledger Domain, a Boston RPG company. Welcome to Role Player with a Thousand Faces, a podcast that examines the art and craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Matt Yancic, and I'm a role player that's been running RPGs for 30 years, but also a teacher that uses them in the classroom. I see collaborative storytelling as a powerful bridge toward promoting understanding and building empathy in our everyday lives. After all, we are all compelling characters in the shared story of life. Please join me as I examine the literary, developmental, and cultural aspects of role-playing. And now, let's get to episode two of Role-Player with a Thousand Faces. Welcome to Episode 2 of Roleplayer with a Thousand Faces. In our previous episode, we attempted to define exactly what a role-playing game is. We identified the various components of role-playing games, as well as examined how they function in the bigger picture. In a nutshell, we determined that role-playing games take place in the imaginations of two participants, the Game Master and the player, and that these two participants have an asymmetric relationship. While the Game Master and the player have their own goals with the game, they share the common goal, to move the story forward. To communicate, the participants use the common shared language of the rule set and the setting in order to ensure that their imaginations are aligned. Both use the rule set in different ways in order to create or interact with the setting. The Game Master uses them in order to create the playing field for the game. While the GM makes rulings and calls based on the rule set, they also communicate the details of the setting and the non-player characters that inhabit it to the player. The players use the rule set to create characters, which interact with the setting that the game master has created. The player communicates what their character looks like, but more importantly how their character behaves within the setting to the game master and the other players. At the moment that the setting intersects with the characters, situations arise that eventually turn into some type of conflict, and the decisions made by the players and the game master move the story forward. When the outcome of the conflict is questionable, the attributes and skills of the character are applied in order to resolve the conflict. These attributes and skills often take into account adjustments such as penalties and bonuses through the use of the rule set. Now, in today's episode, we're going to take a very specific look at the role the Game Master plays in all of this before the game actually starts, that of creating the framework on which the story is built. I'd originally planned for the entire episode to run through the things a Game Master does before, during, and after a game, but the material proved too big for one episode, and I decided to break things up into pieces. Today, let's focus on what a Game Master needs to do before a game has begun. Let's start at the beginning. I mean, the real beginning. The point at which the game master and the players decide what they want to play. 
If role-playing is imagination-building through communication, it's important that those on both sides understand and are interested in hearing more about what the other side is saying in order to build proper engagement. Engagement is the heart of any activity because if you're not engaged in some way, shape, or form, then you'll find it difficult to pay attention to whatever it is that you're doing. At some point in our lives, we've all had moments in which we weren't engaged with something happening around us. Maybe it was listening to a lecture in class back in high school. Perhaps it was watching a movie that your significant other wanted to watch. When we aren't engaged, we start to become bored, or in some cases frustrated. Our minds wander to other things. Without engagement, our minds seek out other things to occupy itself with. At the other end of the spectrum, at some point in our lives, we've all had moments in which we've been so engaged that we've actually lost track of the world around us. Perhaps it was a film we were watching or a novel we were reading. Maybe it was a particularly good TED Talk. Maybe it was even a lecture delivered in a way that really drew us in. Engagement often takes place when the listener feels something. It could be a level of fascination or of horror. It could be something hilarious. It could be something mysterious. Someone who is truly drawn into something may even become affected by it, may even start to reconsider the way they act, feel, or think about something. Whatever it is, the listener is engaged. In books and movies, the story unfolds before the reader or the viewer, and so we either become engaged or we do not. If we're not interested in a book or movie, there's nothing more that a book or movie can do to engage us, because books and movies are passive. They exist, you pick one up, or hit play, and then they unfold before us. We have no impact on the way in which they unfurl, and if we're not drawn in, if we're not engaged, we close the book or turn off the movie. A role-playing game is different, however, in that the game master is a living, breathing person that is capable of reacting to the players. If the players are the main characters of the story then, as mentioned before, the game master is not just the referee watching the field to make calls and rulings. They are the field and, as such, are almost primarily responsible for player engagement. I say almost because there always needs to be an honest, good faith effort on the part of the players to be engageable. We'll talk more about the responsibilities of being engageable as a player in another episode, but for now, let's focus on Game Masters. If we can agree that the Game Master is almost primarily responsible for player engagement, then what are the Game Master's responsibilities toward building engagement before a game begins? We said that engagement happens when people feel something, which leads to people feeling compelled to do something. And so it stands to reason that the Game Master needs to find a way to get the players to feel and then take action. How can Game Masters accomplish this? Well, probably the best way is to find out what affects players, what makes them feel something, and the first step in doing that is by knowing as much about the setting and the rule set of the game as possible, and then exploiting those things. Let's start from a very simple place, questioning the players to find out their reasons for playing. If the players want to play a certain game, the Game Master needs to know what it was about the game that drew them to it. What are the aspects of the game that engaged them enough to want to play it? Was it the genre and the setting? What about the genre and setting appeals to them? 
Did the players see the cover, which depicts a squad of space marines diving over the side of a starship, plasma guns firing as they descended upon an alien horde, and decide that that was what they wanted to do? Or did the description on the back of the core book describe a mystical, surreal world in which the inhabitants are forced to question the reality of what's going on around them? If you're playing a licensed game, such as Star Wars, Conan, or Robotech, the players may want to meet or even play the main characters themselves. Perhaps they even hope to change the course of events in the books or movies the game is based on. Or, it may be that, while the players want to play within that licensed setting, they would also like to go about their own business, with a story that is simply set against the backdrop of one of those properties. On the other hand, maybe something appealed to them about the rule set, in which case the game master needs to find out what about the rule set appeals to the players. Is the rule set of the game famously crunchy, allowing players to stack one bonus on top of another? Or is the rule set at the opposite end of the spectrum, something more abstract, existing in a place where it gets out of the way to allow players to forget about the rules and just focus on the narrative? Or is it neither of those things, but the simple fact that the rule set allows the players to build a certain type of character that cannot be played in any other game? Does it allow players to build complex characters in which every last detail of their being is quantified mathematically? Or was it some combination of the setting, the rule set, and character? Chances are, each player is approaching the game in a different way, and while all the players may intersect, that area on the Venn diagram, the sweet spot where the player engagement happens, may not always be easy to spot. One thing to note at this time, however, is that it's also important for the game master to express what it is about the game that interests and engages them. While the game master is a facilitator of the game, a conductor balancing different instruments within the orchestra, that doesn't mean that their reasons aren't important too. Having said that, however, setting, characters, and rule set are the best places from which to begin understanding what engages not just the players, but the game master as well. If the participants can understand each other's reasons and approach, then they're both on the road to engaging each other, and the game master specifically is better equipped to cause the players to feel and motivate them to take action. Once the participants on both sides, game master and player, have a better understanding for the reasons behind choosing the game, the game master should hold the discussion in which the participants speak, even briefly, about the goals of the game. In a standard competitive game, one player or team works against another player or team in order to achieve a specific goal. Those goals could be any number of things. To score a touchdown, round home base, or collect more points than other players. While RPGs do have rule sets and settings, they don't usually come with established goals. The game master and the players work together to establish their own goals for the narrative, and the obstacles between the player characters and these goals are put in place through the rule set, through the setting, by the game master. They are then addressed and dealt with using the tools at the player's disposal, their characters. Together, this back and forth takes the form of a verbal narrative. As we discussed, the game master and the players in an RPG are not competing. Players may be competing with one another, another type of motivating conflict like anything else, but the game master and player have an asymmetric relationship in which they cooperate and collaborate to propel the story forward. 
Because of this, it's important that the participants talk about the situations that both sides are interested in exploring in order to maintain proper engagement. Without knowledge of the goals of players, the game master has a difficult time understanding how to create and shape a session, or even more so, any series of sessions. In order to set the playing field in a way that allows player characters to feel and then take action, the Game Master has to have knowledge of goals in which to explore. The Game Master won't be making the choices for what the players decide to do, but they do provide the circumstances that move the game in the general directions the players are interested in exploring. When a GM doesn't deliver in ways that allow players to use their characters in ways they'd been hoping, then it's difficult, if not impossible, for the Game Master to engage the players within the game. Is the Game Master 100% responsible for engagement within a game? Absolutely not, and in another episode we'll discuss what a player does to help create engagement, and how it's all a two-way street. In my younger days of role-playing, during high school and college, I'd call each of my friends and ask them if they wanted to play a particular role-playing game. If they said they would, then I'd tell them to bring a character on Saturday because the game was on. Meanwhile, I'd spend the week making up a story on my own end. And then, when we eventually sat down on that Saturday with pizza and chips and soda, player characters in my framework of a story would collide like two planets, and we'd watch what happened. Sometimes it was exciting. Great things, whether we intended them or not, would happen. There was often a lot of laughter and poking fun at each other. Sometimes, on the other hand, it was a little boring. The characters were built for one thing, while I was expecting something else for the story. And player characters would end up meandering through the story as I led the players along and tried to coax them into doing anything. Usually, these games would fizzle out. These problems ensued because neither the players nor the game master, in creating our elements separately, knew much about what the other was doing. I was planning a narrative-based murder mystery, when my players were creating ass-kicking special forces ready to take on aliens. And so, these days, there's something that takes place before playing, commonly known as a session zero. A sort of pre-game discussion in which players and game master meet to build characters by rolling attributes, picking skills, fleshing out backstories, discussing character goals, and areas for exploration. Additionally, the Game Master also discusses with the players the things that they hope to build and explore as well. While everyone shares a bit of responsibility for understanding the setting in the game, as the world builder and rules interpreter, the Game Master needs to know how the setting and rule set function within the context of the game, and how they might shape the story. Participants work together using the rule set, setting, and characters to drive the story forward, and it's crucial that the Game Master explain the ways in which they interpret those things, because it's the place where they're coming from in order to engage the players. Based on player feedback, the GM may wish to reinterpret, clarify, or completely change their own interpretation. This is necessary because if the players and GM don't see eye-to-eye, -eye, within reason, on how the setting feels and how the rule set works, then a barrier is thrown up between the player and the game master. Players can't be engaged because they're too busy trying to climb over that wall or, worse yet, sitting on the other side of it in frustration. When this happens, the story cannot proceed forward. Knowing something about the goals of the player, the goals of the characters, and the ways in which both sides interpret the rules and the setting is essential in building engagement and driving the story forward. 
And so, for these reasons, the GM must have at least a basic working knowledge of setting and rule set, so that they can aid the players in the creation of characters that will rub the setting in the wrong way, or at least in interesting ways, and cause the friction and conflict that drive the story that the players and the game master wish to explore. Remember, when the rule set and setting meet the characters, conflict happens and the story moves forward when the player characters feel and then take action. In order to build an engaging story, it needs to grow out of the character concepts as much as it grows out of the game master's head. A session zero is just such an opportunity to create the scope of the game, guide players as they create characters, and discuss how to interpret the setting and the rule set. Depending on what it is that the player is hoping to get out of the game, the game master needs to adapt their development of the setting in order to address those hopes and desires to engage not just the character, but the player as well. If the character is engaged by a narrative hook, then theoretically the player that created that character will be engaged with them. If the player created an emotionally weak character that seeks to overcome their weakness while searching for a long-lost relative, then it stands to reason that that concept, and the setting, and the application of the rules that arise from it, would be appealing ones to the player, and therefore something the GM should address when building the story. Essentially, the Session Zero is a time for GMs and players to feel out each other's intentions. Is the GM excited to do some world-building and exploration? Are the players looking to explore the character histories? Does one player want to establish themselves as a glorious vanquisher of monsters and another yearn for more subtle, romantic tragedy? Players and GMs must find common ground and common interests from which to approach and establish a basic framework of play and a game that engages everyone. At this point, I'd like to pause briefly to mention one other important aspect that needs to be established before the game starts. Thematic content and consent within the game. I'm an English teacher and writer that takes storytelling seriously. I think of stories as an art and a craft and find it important and valuable for us as thinking, feeling, and reflective human beings to explore a wide variety of themes and subject matter in books, movies, television, and comic books. I believe that RPGs, too, are a medium for the delivery of stories that are every bit as valid as a movie, book, or television show. Having said that, however, it's important to remember that when we watch a movie, read a book, or read a comic, we are passive observers of the story. We are not part of it and can always turn it off or close the chapter should we find it inappropriate. Additionally, the film, book, or TV show is probably not being forced on us suddenly without our prior knowledge. In this way, we can make a choice to see the film or read the book when we so choose. It's not being sprung on us at a convention when we're looking to slay dragons and pilot starships, and it's not thrown at us when we show up at a friend's house with beer and pretzels looking forward to action and adventure. In other words, we can experience these topics at a time and place of our choosing, because watching a TV show, reading a book, or watching a movie is an experience we choose for ourselves and is not directly dependent on others. As a teacher, I use RPGs in the classroom to address real social issues all the time. Before I do, though, I usually prep the kids to make sure they're ready to game out the issues we're about to deal with. 
studies show that storytelling builds empathy, and role-playing is probably one of the most useful ways to access those parts of the brain. There's no reason consenting adults who are informed and prepared, who are aware of what they're getting themselves into, can't game out any issue they want. Good discussions can come out of it, and that's the way we grow. With that in mind, however, it's essential to talk about the thematic content that will be present in the game and figure out among your fellow participants what is and is not appropriate content. In a future episode, I'll talk more about my ideas with regard to consent and gaming. So far, we've often referred to the game master and a single player. Two participants. But in reality, there are often many participants in a role-playing game, specifically the other players, and so at this point it's important to remember that, following the session zero, a game master must often work to fuse ideas and concepts for multiple players, looking for the shared space of two, three, four, or more circles on the Venn diagram of interest. While the session zero helped us explore and discover some common touchstones upon which to build the basic framework of the game, these ideas can often conflict in ways that make the narrative tough to move forward with, making preparation for the game no easy task. What if one player wants to go north, another wants to go south, to use a simple example? Well, how can the game master achieve this in a way that keeps both or multiple players happy? The more players in the game, the more potential avenues of story there are to explore, and so the biggest consideration the game master needs to face now is how ideas and plot threads can be woven together in order to create a narrative that flows. Should the story ideas and goals of one character be folded into those of another, making two seemingly incompatible threads work together? Or should the story shift back and forth between the story ideas and goals of each character? This brings us to an aspect of RPGs that is rather unique, and one that we haven't yet discussed, and that is the fact that while a game can certainly be a one-time session, referred to as a one-shot, it's also possible to tell a broader, larger story over the course of a series of games. Not unlike Star Wars, a trilogy of trilogies in which threads are woven together in a serialized, episodic format, it is also possible to explore the stories of the characters in a role-playing game over multiple games, strung together, one blending into the next. The serialized game is referred to as a campaign, and they can last from a few games, or episodes, told over a few weeks, to dozens or hundreds of games told over many years. With a role-playing game, participants get together often on a regular basis to return to and visit their characters, advancing them in a narrative that often builds like the seasons of a television show, a series of novels, or movies. Because of this, the game master needs to plan out ways in which to juggle multiple storylines and multiple characters over the long term. In this week's session, they may focus on engaging one character's story while creating smaller subplots within the main story to engage the other characters and keep them interested too. In the next week's session, the Game Master may switch to the main story of one of those other characters, placing the first character's story on the back burner and giving them a subplot. Though it's unfairly frowned upon, the Game Master may also craft a story in which the players choose to split up into smaller groups, and then cut back and forth between multiple stories. We see this in the second film in the original Star Wars trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back. While Luke Skywalker's story focuses on his training and preparations as a Jedi Knight, 
Han, Leia, and Chewbacca's are focused on simply escaping the Empire. Ultimately, though, we can observe that the story is cleverly woven back together in the end by Darth Vader's goal, to capture Luke Skywalker using Han, Leia, and Chewie as bait. Now, this is tough to do even when you're writing a story, much less when you're making things up as you go along with several other people who all may have very different motivations and goals for their own characters. There is no right or wrong answer as to how to make this easier, as each game calls for the game master to interpret their players and facilitate the blending of the story, but it is something that game masters must consider when preparing. Because of this, preparation with players before the very first actual game, such as in a session zero, is a critical step in getting the pieces of the puzzle into place before the story begins. If those pieces are set up on the playing field, the players will have an easier time finding them, and then moving the story in a direction that is free and flowing, but still balanced and engaging. Using the things that the Game Master has learned about the players and their characters, they can then go about the task of building a setting and creating opportunities to use the rule set in a way that engages the characters across the board, with aspects that help the players feel something and prompting them to act, thus engaging them and moving the story forward. Let's take a couple of characters, for instance, in a science fiction game, Palladium's Rifts. Our first player, Steve, has decided to create an alien that has slipped through a rift and found himself on Earth, 105 years after the coming of the rifts. The alien, he decides, is a scholar and scientist that inadvertently sent themselves here to our Earth only a few years ago. Though they have grown accustomed to, and even enjoy certain aspects of, life on Earth in the time of the rifts, they still yearn to return to their home world. Still, though Steve's alien character is starting to fit in, it feels as if the more he does to try to fit in, the more they find themselves an outcast among mankind. Our second player, Frank, decides to create a retired space marine who, in his youth, was forced out of the military for a crime that he did not commit. This space marine, perhaps in their late 40s or early 50s now, has been disgraced by the very organization that he even now still loves, and has become an outcast himself. As a matter of fact, so many forces have now aligned against this space marine, the military, his friends, and even some members of his family, that this space marine has actually started to question their own innocence. It seemed right at the time, but was it really? The space marine's confidence has eroded. They now actually ask themselves whether they're a good person, and tend to keep to themselves in order to avoid conflict. Now, with these two characters playing in the same game, the Game Master has to decide how to blend separate stories and goals together, as well as how to set the playing field in which the two will explore the different aspects of their characters. They first look at the Venn diagram of similarities. Both characters are outcasts, one from another world, the other among his own people. One yearns to return to their home world, the other yearns to return to the world around them and society. One is unfairly seen as alien, an outcast, and the other has become a pariah for a crime he did not commit. In this way, they share quite a few aspects of their character, and both are unfairly outcast from the same society. But then again, let's consider what makes them unique and different. Steve's alien is an alien, while Frank's space marine is human. The alien is a being of science, while the space marine is one forged in the crucible of battle. The alien wants to leave Earth, while the space marine wishes to return to it. 
the alien seems to have retained their confidence in themselves while the space marine struggles with their own. In a case such as this, there are quite a few ways in which the themes of these two characters cross over. First off, the alien is a fish-out-of-water character, and the space marine is a pariah among his people. They are both, in their ways, trapped in the wrong place. The alien should not be on Earth, and the space marine should not be unfairly persecuted by his fellow Earthlings. The two have the fact that they need to break out of their bonds clearly in common. Secondly, the alien might not have the knowledge of the planet to seek out help in returning to their own homeworld, while the space marine may not have the support of an ally to help them return to the world and regain their confidence. They would make a good pair, a complementary pair, to adventure together. The alien would provide the companionship that the space marine lacks, and the space marine, determined to make the right choice, would do what they could to defend the scholarly, academic alien. The game master may wish to highlight these aspects of the player's stories by creating situations in which the player characters need to deal with the world around them. Each character will be coming at things from a different direction, but they both share the overall goal of returning to the world, whichever world that may be. Perhaps the secret to returning to their homeworld lies in a journey across the continent, and the only way the alien can feel safe is with an escort from the space marine. For his part, the space marine might yearn for a simple mission as a first step in regaining his own confidence, and the idea of bodyguarding a visitor from another dimension, another outcast, appeals to him. The game master may also wish to create supporting non-player characters along the way that either complement these two characters, perhaps a sympathetic older character, a mentor that can see the pain that these two are going through, or an adversarial non-player character bent on exploiting them. Either way, these two sets of non-player characters help cause friction, elicit feeling, and help move the story forward. Along the way, the Game Master creates clues and seeds within the setting that lead the player characters through their journey. The GM can then sprinkle encounters throughout the setting like a trail of breadcrumbs, building slowly towards a moment when the alien character finally has to decide whether he'll step through an interdimensional portal that will return him to his homeworld, and the space marine must decide if he's going to go the whole way in defending the alien, confronting his fellow space marines at the interdimensional portal, and th thus restoring his own confidence. Each one of those breadcrumbs is slightly larger than the last, building a sense of movement as the characters face increasingly difficult challenges. The challenges the alien finds themselves in might put them in a bind, in which they're forced to question how badly they wish to return to their homeworld. The situations the Space Marine finds himself in may force the Marine to question whether or not he's doing the right thing. And some of the clues and seeds, just like in real life, might prove to be red herrings and wild geese that lead the alien and the Space Marine down fruitless avenues, or even side quests along the way. These smaller encounters and challenges faced by the characters become the flavoring for the framework of the main story, the overall goal, and provide insight into the world, in this case the Earth of Rifts after the coming of the Rifts, in which side situations breathe life into the story that might not otherwise be. While Stephen Frank's goals with their alien and space marine at first seem different, upon closer examination, there are quite a few storytelling possibilities. Moreover, the overall goal that the two characters share has been successfully joined at the end by placing the interdimensional portal within a space marine installation. The alien chooses whether to step through, 
and the Space Marine must face off against the organization that made him a pariah. In fact, thinking about it, these two seem like a natural pair, and the possibilities seem endless, limited only by the imaginations of the participants. Through this weaving of plot and character, the Game Master can then get to the real meat of the story, creating the actual situations and conflicts that exploit both the setting as well as the rule set, thus propelling characters toward an overarching goal, while still allowing each to pursue their individual goals. With the proper insight into the player, the Game Master can create problems that emphasize the proper conflict, that is to say, conflicts that move the story forward between the characters and their goals. With a rough idea of what the characters are working toward in the really big picture, the Game Master can use the setting and the rule set to create conflicts that emphasize the challenges that engage the character, and therefore the player. In this way, when the characters attempt to rise to those challenges, the story is propelled forward. And a very clever and thoughtful GM can ensure this in one way or another, whether the characters are successful or not. We'll talk more about this in our next episode, in which we discuss what the Game Master does during and after the game. Well, those are the broad strokes of what a Game Master does before the game even begins. I hope you have a better idea now of what goes into preparing for a game, but I want to note that I haven't nearly covered everything in the level of detail that it deserves. As a matter of fact, for just about every topic that I've brought up in this episode, we could probably go on for several more episodes. That's a lot of material to cover though, and so once the broad strokes are outlined in this short introductory series, I'll then be drilling down deeper into many of the aspects I've very quickly outlined today. Well, that's it for episode 2 of Roleplayer with a Thousand Faces. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Send your comments and questions about role-playing games to mythandledgerdomain at gmail.com. That's myth, as in mythology, and ledgerdomain, as in trick of the hand. Once again, that's mythandledgerdomain at gmail.com. Roleplayer with a Thousand Faces is presented by Manufactured Myth and Ledger Domain, a Boston RPG company. Our music is by E. John Stone. I'm Matt Yancic, and thank you for listening. Thank you.